This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Steve Sharetta, Senior Managing Editor. And today we're joined by Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel, who's going to offer his forecasts for markets and the economy in general for 2018. Jeremy, great to have you back with us. Happy to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So uh, a lot of people would like to know what you think about where markets are going in 2018. After the Dow went up about 24% in 2017, a lot of people would say there's just not a lot more room for it to grow. How much more can it grow? But at the same time, we've had some last-minute changes, uh, notably, most notably, the the, uh, tax reform, under which corporate taxes will be much lower, so companies will be factoring that in. And for some companies, there'll be a big pile of cash overseas that's freed up. There's also... Uh, more liberal expensing rules, which, which it's hoped will promote some investment. So, so there are some things uh, uh, on the horizon and uh, that that are coming up and that are already here, I should say, that could uh, could boost the the market. So, what's your view on how all that plays out? Well, you're certainly right. It was a great great market in 2017. I think the uh, stock market is going to be much more challenged, as well as the bond market going to be much more challenged. In 2018, I I think that uh, the the good news about the corporate tax reform, and I think most of that was is good news, mm-hmm. was uh, a reason for the run up of uh, stock prices in the latter half of last year. So kind of baked in. Yeah, I think it's baked in. I think a lot of um, the the good news is 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 already in there, and uh, I think that there there are two. Things that are going to challenge the equity markets, I think one is going to be the Fed raising interest rates. Uh, and we're going to talk about that later, certainly. Um, and also, I think there's uh, Trump is going to have many more political challenges uh, this year. Um, uh, really, there uh, there's there's no more uh, 51, 49 votes because uh, – uh, reconciliation can only be done once a year. It can only be done at budget time. We have to wait till October. So anything else that gets passed, uh, the Democrats really have to approve of. Um, and I think uh, I, I don't know what else is going to be there. I'm, I'm, for instance, quite pessimistic on on whether there's uh, going to be any infrastructure spending, which is a big topic now that everyone seems to be turning to after the tax reform. Um I think there will be a, a deal on DACA. Uh, the Democrats will throw some money at security, uh, which Trump will demand on the borders in return for uh, uh, DACA. Uh, but outside of some of those very narrow things, uh, you know, I, I, I really don't think anything is going to get done uh, legislatively uh, next year. I think the Dems think they're in the driver's seat. Polls are very favorable for them. Stonewalling, stonewalling the president uh, – uh, they may look at it as being the very uh, best choice. Now, all that said, um, uh, you know, things that come out of Washington are all, not always good. So deadlock is not always a bad thing. So uh, as far as that's concerned, but but very clearly um, with both the House and the Senate at threat to turn Democratic, I mean, any uh, really, the the the, the Trump uh, agenda. Basically, we we got now what we see, and I think um, 
very little else. So uh, when you boil that down, uh, where do you where do you see the Dow ending yeah. up the year? Well, I'm saying that. Um, as you said, almost 25% this year. I think it's zero to 10. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if sometime during the year we get a correction. Now, a correction is defined as a 10% decline. And mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're going to end 10% lower. Mm-hmm. We may go up 10 before we go down 10. But uh, uh, we haven't had a correction for quite a while. As you know, it's been a very kind of stable upward market. I think there's going to be more volatility in 2018 than, than we, we saw last year. So – the stock market is one thing, the markets are one thing, and then the economy is another thing. What about when it comes to GDP growth? What yeah. would you project? Well, um, and that could be good. I mean, the, the we had 3% plus in the second and third quarter. Uh, the experts I follow are looking a little over 25 for the fourth, which would probably disappoint Trump. He wants to see three in a row that are three or above. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is very possible that we could shift into a 3% to 3.5% a growth economy uh, next year. And that's uh, something that would certainly give risk to higher interest rates in the Fed. And I think that that's one of the things that's going to be worrying the stock market. Remember, strong economic growth is is sort of a uh, a, a double-edged uh, razor for the stock market. They like higher earnings, but higher interest rates that capitalize those earnings are are negative uh, for stock prices. Because it siphons away some interest, right? Yeah, it means the bonds become much better competitors. I mean, even now, uh, you, you know, we're, we're uh, basically, uh, you know, over 2% on uh, people can get that on CDs coming this year, maybe close to 3% at the end of the year. That is, for the first time in 10 years, higher than the interest rate, uh, than the dividend yield you can earn on, on on the stock market. Now, I still think the stock market is a much better bet because you got growth in the long run, et cetera. But there isn't that urgency. My goodness, I'm getting zero, as we all got for so many years following the financial crisis. You know, people might say, hey, I sit in the bank at 2.5%. I'm not all that motivated at this point to uh, to move in uh, to any more stocks. And then I feel it's more secure. So uh, let's talk about the Fed. Yeah. And, and we have a new Fed chair. Yeah. And uh, that's going to have some influence. They, they're projecting three rate increases. Now, their right. rate increases have been pretty modest, even though there have been 25 basis points each. And in yes. fact, it was in December of 2016 that they forecast three for last year. And believe it or not, they hit it on the head the first time that they actually uh-huh. did what they said they were going to do. And that's because the you know, economy was, was, was fairly strong. Uh, some uh, houses, I mean, Goldman Sachs, I think, is projecting four uh, increases um, uh, next year. Now, again, uh, uh, it's all going to depend on the economy. But when we have payrolls rising as fast as they are, monthly, monthly payrolls, and we're going to have that this Friday again, projection is near 200,000. I mean, that's more than twice uh, the number of jobs uh, uh, the number of jobs expected to be created are more than twice than the growth of population. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what eats into that unemployment r- uh, rate, which is down to 4.1%, much lower than the Fed had thought it was going to be at the end of last year. Um, and many economists now, even the optimistic ones saying, well, 
you know, we haven't seen much wage growth, and 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 that's good in a in the way of inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now looking at three and a half percent as triggering shortages, and if we go through history, that has triggered mm-hmm. shortage. Mm-hmm. But at the rate we're going, we will reach three and a half by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. So that's when we, in, unless we slow down those that payroll growth. Um, of which there's no signs at this point that that's going to happen, um, that will really tighten the labor market. Is there is there any real reason to want to slow down that labor growth? Well, only in the sense that uh, where are you going to get the workers? Uh, uh, if, 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 in other words, normal immigration and, and, and just the population growth mm-hmm. is supplying around 75000 a month. So when you get uh, 190,000, you're eating into that ever-diminishing pool of unemployed, Mm -hmm. which means there's going to be a shortage of workers, which means there's going to be bidding for labor, and their uh, wage rates will, uh, to the extent that they exceed productivity, add to inflation, and that is exactly what motivates the Fed to tighten uh, its interest rates, and that that is definitely a threat to the to the stock market uh, uh, this year. Now, I'm not, you know, we've, we've been lucky so far. Uh, economists have been very pleasantly surprised that 4.1% uh, unemployment has not yet tightened labor markets to the point of producing uh, any real inflation at all. But if you go through history, you know, it may not be four and a half, it may not be four. When you get down to three and a half, mm-hmm. there's very few times we've ever gotten below three and a half, except in war times when we've had price and wage controls uh, and not had some, uh, some inflation on, on the wage front. The way the mechanics of all that work, when you get to three and a half or, or four or three and a half, how long does it, that take to actually kick in and, and push up inflation? I mean, is that... Immediately, is that an eighteen-month lag? What does that look not, like? Not not that long a lag because if uh, if uh, you know labor costs are still seventy uh, percent of the costs of of firms mm-hmm. to produce the products that they they do. Some are more and some are less. So if those prices, if they have to bid for the labor, mm-hmm. um, and if it's not matched by productivity growth, and again we've had very poor productivity growth, mm-hmm. although some signs of some favorable developments on that recently, uh, then that just adds mm-hmm. to their cost. And they pass on uh, those those costs uh, right away, actually, uh, in the market. So, um, uh, you know, my feeling is, and the bond market in particular, they look forward, uh, the sensitive commodity uh, markets look forward, uh, they provide uh, that pressure that puts the, puts the Fed on alert. Now, again, we also uh, have the uncertainty, as you know, of course, a new Fed chair with um, uh, uh, not as strong a profile as we knew about Janet Yellen, certainly Ben Bernanke or Alan Greenspan that preceded him. Uh, 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 we're awaiting the vice chair, which I think is going to be much more important. Don't forget, this is the first Fed chair uh, that we have had, I think, uh, going all the way back to G. William Miller in the 1970s. Uh, that has neither had a graduate or an undergraduate degree in economics. Now, that doesn't doesn't necessarily disqualify him, uh, but it does mean, uh, and I think from what I hear from the Trump administration, they're trying to find someone that does have uh, those degrees as vice chair. He or she will be more influential uh, than previous vice chairs. And um, uh, 
you know that these will be uh, on, ongoing uh, important developments for the markets. The um, is it also possible that uh, the uh, wage pressure on wages that could come from inflation would also help to increase productivity? In other words have to find more efficient ways to do things if if your labor costs are going up. Certainly, and mm-hmm. then and that's been commented a, b- a bit on these minimum wage increases. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of states have, have jumped the federal government, mm-hmm. which has not, uh, under the Republican administration, doesn't want to raise the minimum wage. Uh, you know, if, as some of these states have jumped it, then some uh, the, you, you search for cost-effective ways around it. But uh, the the most disappointing aspect of the economy since the Great uh, Recession uh, and that bottomed in June of 2009 has, has not been job growth. Job growth has been f- spectacular. Unemployment rate has gone down faster than even the Fed or almost all private economists had thought possible. Don't forget, we, we peaked at 10 percent. Now we're down to four. That's a huge six percentage point drop. What has been so so disappointing is very poor productivity growth during uh, that uh, this period. And that is, by the way, the major reason why wages have been stagnant, because mm-hmm. in the long run, wages can only increase if the productivity of workers increase. So, so there could be a possible uh, positive benefit from increased wages, which could be productivity. Is that, is there, that right? There, there, there might be, but mm-hmm. I mean, let's put it this way. So there's two forces on, on wages. One is productivity, which is the real positive force. In other words, if, if workers are, are better qualified, they have better machines, they have better uh, uh, productive uh, capabilities, uh, then their wage will go up, and that's exactly what we want, no inflation. But the second source of wage increases is shortage of workers, mm-hmm. just because there's so much demand out there. Mm-hmm. That's the one the Fed fears. And as that unemployment rate went down from, as I said, 10 percent down to four, I mean, we're getting close to the point where that mm-hmm. shortage of workers, that second source of wage increase, which is not a good one, mm-hmm. because that's not not uh, due to productivity growth, uh, would uh, you know impel the f- uh, Fed to, to to raise interest rates faster? There's another potential wrinkle that um, when when wages go up, since consumer spending is 70 percent of GDP, right? We had yes, another 70 percent number earlier that they're going to have more money to spend, and so that's going to boost the economy more. And so, in other words, these aren't these aren't like simple. You know, but we, digital it, choices. we haven't had problems with boosting the economy. I mean, mm-hmm. spending has been good uh, mm-hmm. during this period. I mean, and, and and that's another thing that somewhat worries me. And another reason I'm very pessimistic about uh, infrastructure spending is where are we can get these workers. I mean, it's not uh, infrastructure spending is great when you have 10 percent unemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have 4 percent unemployment, well, where where are the workers? Mm-hmm. Eddie, right now, job openings are near record high. Anyone who really wants a job can mm-hmm. get the job. So the, the, that's that's another push of uh, demand mm-hmm. uh, for which, uh, you know, where is the supply going to come from? And that's another danger of inflation. I think political wrangling is going to actually do in most of the infrastructure more than the fact of where the workers, but the, where are the workers is certainly has to be a consideration. Uh, okay, interesting. So there's also, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, world situation. So we've got a, a, a moment in time right now where most of the world's regions and major economies, so Europe, I'm thinking of Europe, I'm thinking of Japan, many other regions of the world, uh, a lot of uh, developing countries and 
in Eastern Europe and so forth and uh, emerging Asia, Asia are all re growing relatively strongly. So you've got this sort of Goldilocks moment when <laughs> many, many countries and regions are growing strong. We talked a little bit ahead of time where you said that's in the past that hasn't been unusual, but it has been unusual in the recent past. And what does it mean? By well, the way? You're, you're right. So the three major so-called sectors, the American economy, the developed non-American economy, which is mostly uh, Europe, although, you know, there are other developed areas of the world, and then the emerging market economy. Um, they all bottomed out in the 2009. They all took a hit. We uh, in the U.S. recovered first, and Europe was beginning to recover, and then bang, it got hit by the debt crisis, mm -hmm. uh, the Greek crisis, the Spanish crisis, the Italian crisis, and it did a double dip uh, uh, on there. Uh, emerging markets started out well, and then bang, oil crashed from, you know, uh, $100 a barrel, you know, finally down to uh, below 30 at one point, uh, along with other commodities. And uh, emerging markets, although they're trying to get away from being just a commodity-based industry, does, does have an awful lot of commodities. And, and they crashed in 2016. Uh, now, with commodity prices back up, and we see, of course, oil now above $60 a, a barrel, uh, we have a strong recovery in the emerging markets. Europe is recovering from its debt crisis. Finally, countries like Spain, Italy are, are moving up. And the U.S., as of course we've been talking about, is still very strong. So yeah, all the major engines are, are, are working uh, together uh, here. And that does mean another thing about per perhaps inflation, because it isn't like we have a soft area of the world that mm -hmm. can provide us with goods at cheap prices if we run out of workers here, because we really do have now strength in virtually all the major uh, uh, regions in the economy. So that could start to affect commodity prices. And then that's, yes. that, that works its way through it everything. It absolutely does. Okay. So uh, let me ask, I just want to get back to the new Fed chair a little bit, because it seemed like they have Another reason for wanting to raise interest rates, not just uh, concerns about inflation, but interest rates have been so low for so long that there's this worry that uh, if we did, when and if we hit another recession, that they're, they're kind of, they've been out of bullets <laughs> uh, when it comes to monetary policy of what they can do. And then we see with fiscal policy, it's very difficult to get things done. But uh, so we've yeah. been relying on the Fed, overly relying, some would right. say. So that they do have, they have an upside incentive, don't they? Other than just the pure economic reasons to look at inflation and the things they usually look at. Yes. And this is a big concern. The Fed has talked about it. So we are in a world of lower interest rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, than we're used to. You know, we are used to the interest rates 4, 5, 6% on the longer end. We're, we're in the area of 2, 3%. And that does mean since zero is an effective bottom, now I know that Europe has gone a little bit below zero, but basically not much below zero is a, an effective uh, lower rate. You have less bullets in your holster if things do turn bad. And of course, this is one reason why in the financial crisis, uh, Bernanke, who was the first, but then all the other major central banks followed suit in extraordinary monetary measures such as quantitative easing, et cetera, and so on, which I personally had always supported and do think it helped us get out of the, the situation we're in. They prefer not to use that. They want to use the more traditional interest rate uh, targets. And there's been a, a lot of talk about in a low interest rate world not having as much of that. So in a way, it is good that we're getting back to normal because it, if things go, if something bad 
that happens, we do have some room uh, to lower it. Remember, those extraordinary measures are are still there. Uh, some of us theorists uh, have been talking about maybe they should tire, target a higher inflation than 2% to try to get interest rates higher so they'll have more bullets in case something bad happens, but not a, a tremendous movement, uh, at, at least at this point, uh, towards, uh, towards that uh, direction. So we've got all that. We, we've, we've got um, this Goldilocks moment with many of the regions of the world, as we discussed, and uh, and things have have been humming along pretty good. We all know that nothing lasts forever uh, in one direction. So do you see any financial bubbles that could pop in 2018? Um, and maybe wrapping into that, your view of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, because <laughs> there's been talk about a bubble there. Oh, and yeah. is that getting, will that get big enough to affect the so-called real economy or regular financial markets? Well, you know, it is my opinion that the cryptocurrencies are a bubble. I, I do not see them as, a, you know, effective uh, replacements for the national currencies. Um, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we could uh, talk about that. Uh, actually, I, I think a break in Bitcoin uh, prices would actually be good for the stock market. I think it's drawn some money away. Uh, people, you know, as uh, uh, stocks are not as exciting, they're not as volatile, let's move toward Bitcoin. So in a way, I, I do not see a break in Bitcoin if it does happen as as uh, being away. So I think it's a bubble, but I don't think it's a threatening bubble. I see very few other, I mean, really bubbles at this point, uh, overextensions that I think are dangerous at all, in 2018. It doesn't mean that, you know, all, all is uh, free sailing ahead, because as I said, if the Fed, if the Fed does, uh, you know, continue to raise interest rates, that is going to be a challenge for stock prices. Um, and uh, uh, I think after the big gains we've had in 2017, you know, a year of digesting these gains without, uh, you know, being too bad a market, uh, I don't think is, uh, you know, the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, if those interest rates are are on the aggressive side, you're saying it would affect the market in a yeah. certain way. What about would it affect the economy that much? Because in the end, these these increases aren't all that much, are they? No, no, they're not. I mean, still in the in the big picture, they're they're small and still very very low. So you know, even the Fed moves to three two to three percent. We used to think of three percent as the bottom of the interest rate right, cycle, right, right. <laughs> rather than the top of the interest rate cycle. But uh, you know, the one of the reasons why stocks are selling for twenty times earnings. Um, has been because interest rates are low. Um, uh, and I don't even 3%, I think that still justifies close to 20. So I'm not talking about a you know big crash or terrible markets uh, going forward. But I'm just talking about a little bit of a pause to make sure that the earnings uh, are, are going to come out the way. I mean, there's some very positive earnings forecasts um, especially with this tax cut, um, it, I'm not sure all of them are going to be met uh, in 2018. And with a, a threat of higher interest rates, that's what makes me more cautious on stocks uh, this year than I was last year. 
All right. Any any some summing up comments you'd like to make about the things that we've talked about? Well, the only one is always short-term forecasting okay. is difficult. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just trying to really give people a kind of a framework mm-hmm. in which to think of the major issues. I think the political issue for the Republicans can get much more difficult, plus the Fed being on alert as the labor market tightens um, are going to be probably front and center the major major concerns of investors. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.